Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. Now, more than ever, our communications are distributed and digitally connected. They are the lifeblood of the enterprise. With Smash, you can leverage all of your communications as a strategic asset. Smash enables companies to transform oversight into foresight by surfacing business critical signals in more than 100 digital communication channels, from email to WhatsApp to Zoom and many more. Regulated organizations of all sizes rely upon the Smash portfolio of cloud-native, AI-enabled digital communications capture, retention, and oversight solutions to help them identify regulatory and reputational risk within their communications data before those risks become fines or headlines. Smash serves a global client base spanning the top banks in North America, Europe, and Asia, along with other leading financial firms and various government agencies. To discover more about the future of communications capture, archiving, and oversight, visit www.smarsh.com. The financial services industry needs to avoid taking its eye off the ball on the governance and regulation fronts in general, whilst they're distracted by all sorts of other things, such as the need to grow and the need to seize opportunities. Today's guest outlines how finance bosses can best support those running their risk audit and compliance functions to avoid serious disruptions in future. He cautions that without such investment in their governance, regulatory and controls functions, financial institutions risk inducing regulatory fatigue and provoking flight risk amongst valued senior staff. He also details how he believes senior risk, audit and compliance professionals should navigate today's job market and changing work environment, and plenty more besides. Alex Keach is Managing Director at Halsey Keach, an executive search firm that specialises in placing senior leaders onto the financial services company's boards and within their risk compliance, financial crime and internal audit departments. Hi Alex, welcome to Following the Rules. Hi there Lucy, thank you for having me. We're here today to discuss recruitment trends in financial services, risk, compliance and governance. But before we get stuck into that, it would be really useful to know a little bit more about Halsey Keach. What areas of financial services, what roles and seniority do you typically recruit for? Well, we're a family business. We were established in 1988. So we've been covering the financial services industry for more than 35 years now. And we have always had a focus on the governance, regulatory and controls functions. And that translates to risk management, compliance, internal audit. Our main focus of activity is at a C-suite level in um, risk compliance and audit. So the chief audit officer, chief risk officer, chief compliance officer, and also their leadership team. So their divisional heads of audit or regional heads of compliance or your head of market risk or credit risk. And additionally, we work on non-executive director searches as well. So independent non-executive directors that sit on the boards of financial institutions in an advisory governance capacity. We work across financial services, so spanning banking, asset management, insurance, and more recently the fintech space. We are a retained executive search firm, and that differs from what is known as contingent recruitment in that it's where an organization has decided that they need to do the best they can to guarantee 
a successful hiring outcome into a particular role that has strategic importance to the organization where a really high quality result is absolutely essential. So for example, we recently helped a major global corporate and investment banking group to hire a managing director into their regional compliance function in EMEA. And that person's initial remit is going to be setting compliance strategy to take them forward for the next few years and also to modernize the function through the deployment of regulatory technology solutions, streamlining the team. The longer term remit for that person is to develop into the obvious successor for the regional chief compliance officer. So there are quite a number of issues being addressed with that hire. At the other end of the spectrum, we worked recently with a relatively new fintech business that had recently taken on quite substantial venture capital investment and worked with us to hire its inaugural chief risk officer. So a really important hire, an ex-co level appointment, somebody to work with the chief exec and the other members of the executive committee on driving the business forward, whilst at the same time making sure that risks were being effectively managed whilst opportunities were being seized. It's those really important strategic hires that our firm gets involved in across audit risk and compliance. Okay, and what's the job market like right now? As of early 2024, it's relatively quiet. The senior levels in the areas that we cover, certainly there are pockets of activity, but it's markedly less busy than it has been. You've seen the banking industry undergoing some strategic pressure. Likewise, the asset management industry is facing challenges with the clustering taking place at the very large end of the industry and also a very small specialist industry in the hedge fund space. But if you're in between those, then you're slightly caught and having to carefully review your options. Everybody was taken a little bit by surprise at how busy the job market was through the COVID-19 pandemic. There was an initial phase of serious uncertainty the industry got back on its feet quite quickly. And at the same time, we were at the tail end of a very long period of low interest rates and very high levels of investment into financial services, into fintech. So all of that really powered a quite remarkable job market through 2021 and into early 2022. But you have seen that tailing off. You've seen big shocks like FTX collapsing. Credit Suisse and Silicon Valley Bank, the mini budget in late 2022 as well, took a lot of the steam out of the engine as far as the UK economy was concerned. That was a bit of a reality check. And now we have interest rates at 5% plus and looking like they're going to stay there for a while, not to mention a lot of geopolitical risk. All of this adds up to that more conservative approach to hiring and to expanding businesses than the creative side of things that we had. And what types of firms are hiring at the moment and for what roles? The traditional risk and compliance markets are quieter than they have been, as mentioned. Quite a lot of the heavy lifting in risk and compliance in traditional industry sectors, such as banking and asset management, has actually arguably been done. There are still major regulatory issues out there and the global regulators are always dreaming up new ways to, to keep the industry on its toes. But what I mean is that the worst issues of the pre and post financial crisis era have been addressed by firms. And they've done that by hiring a lot of people throughout the 2010s. So throwing resource at these issues. And at the same time, the risk and compliance disciplines have matured in themselves along the way. So over the last 10 to 15 years, they've gone from quite rule book focused back office functions 
to really far more effective business partners. So risk and compliance have really embedded themselves into the businesses that they are controlling and, and regulating. They're working with business stakeholders much more closely and able to address issues, come up with creative solutions. And that has meant that institutions themselves are able to work that much more closely with the regulators. So there isn't quite such a divide between what the regulator wants from the industry and what the industry's participants are able to provide. So actually, if you compare where the financial services industry was in the mid to late 2000s with where it is now, we are quite far forward on the regulatory side of things. And that means that the hiring market has cooled a bit because there isn't quite the frenzied demand for people to come in and solve really serious issues. It would take another really big crisis, bigger than Credit Suisse and SVB's collapses last year, for the risk and regulatory job markets to take flight again in the same way as they did back in the wake of the financial crisis. At the same time, nobody wants a crisis like that. And indeed, if there was such a crisis, I think firms are that much more resilient now. I think regulators are better prepared to manage such situations. There has been hiring activity in newer areas. There's been an enormous rush towards private equity, private credit, real estate infrastructure in the last few years by the asset management industry at large and the demand for risk and compliance specialists to keep tabs on those exciting and complex asset classes has been an observable dynamic you also see innovations like artificial intelligence that's getting an awful lot of the attention across financial services but broadly it's quieter than it has been I would like to delve deeper into how the introduction of generative AI is changing the recruitment for senior risk and compliance professionals. But before we go there, have salaries decreased or increased over the last year? We negotiated some exceptional packages in 2023, which indicates that there is definitely still demand for top level risk and compliance appointments and that organisations are willing to push the boat out to secure their services. There's one that stands out, which was for a large banking group. And it was just an illustration, I suppose, of the financial firepower that major banking groups have at their disposal in order to appoint established leaders who are going to go into significant teams or people with high levels of potential that are typically pretty well retained by their current organisations. In the case of the client that we worked with, as I say, a large global banking group, seeking to make a transformative hire at the very senior leadership level in the compliance function. That senior level managing director in the compliance function in the global banking space secured not far off 700,000 sterling. That's a very, very large number. So there is still a great deal of firepower in the global banking sector to secure really top of the pile leadership profiles for those key regulated roles. That said, as I mentioned before, there are simply fewer of these moves at the most senior levels. So the generalised wage inflation we saw throughout the 2010s in risk compliance and financial crime seems to have paused. You hear stories about crazy money being paid for specialists in fields like artificial intelligence at the moment and in certain pockets of the hedge fund industry. But on the whole, the financial services hiring market feels quite static at this point. And that's to do with the industry adjusting to interest rates now being at 5% solidly, potentially for the foreseeable future. That's a massive adjustment for the industry as a whole to make. And I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts and mentioned that the UK economy had entered a recession and the statisticians were talking about it potentially being the longest recession on record. 
it does feel like we're in that sort of a marketplace at the moment in early 2024. And I think that 2024 could be a year of adjustment before we see a bit more confidence returning to the job market in probably late 2024, early 2025. That's our prediction. In terms of remuneration, we've seen managing directors in risk and compliance in the global banking space expect basic salaries between 250 and 350,000 pounds with bonus potential in those roles. Well, some banks haven't paid bonuses at all recently, but bonuses are typically between 25 and 75% for managing directors in those controls functions. That compares with multiples of your basic salary in revenue generating functions. The numbers I was just describing would be reflective of compensation in the global banking industry, where they have large compliance and risk teams managing all sorts of very complex issues. And that pushes basic salary compensation up for those roles versus working in a smaller organization where there is less of a people challenge but still substantial regulatory accountability, very complex issues to to manage. So your chief compliance officer or chief risk officer in a smaller firm might be looking at a basic salary of 200 to 300 as a basic salary. As with all areas of financial services, the variable compensation element of reward packages is where it's really interesting. And as I mentioned earlier, the financial services industry has been facing a number of challenges. So when all of that shakes out and when some confidence and some better performance returns to the industry, we will see that variable compensation start to look healthier and overall compensation packages will start to really improve. But generally speaking, I think it's going to be static and we'll have to wait and see on the bonus front. Okay. As you've said, it's a tough job market at the moment. What types of firms are losing senior staff? 2023 was the worst year for bank redundancies since 2009, which is really saying something because 2009 was directly after the global financial crisis. You've seen management consultancies also scaling back due to lower demand from financial services clients. And it should be noted that 2023, lots of redundancies versus 2020, 2021 and 2022, when there was an awful lot of hiring, actually. So you may just be able to put some of these redundancies down to right sizing of these organisations. But you've also seen redundancies in technology firms. And again, that's yet to to come back. You've seen private equity and venture capital firms rationalising as markets are less favourable for new investments whilst current portfolio companies that they already hold are, are under pressure from some of these economic conditions. This is a, a general picture of the, of the talent market at the moment. We're at quite a low ebb. The UK economy is running on fumes. The next big wave of excitement and creativity seems to be a way off. Are there any sectors of the financial industry struggling to hire at the moment? I recently came across a survey of investment managers for private equity, venture capital and real estate funds from the compliance service provider Ocorian, and it found that 77% of survey participants were finding it hard to recruit the right people for legal and compliance departments and 69% of respondents believe the situation was going to worsen. I was wondering if that's something that resonates with you. Yes, private assets, generally speaking, has been an incredibly busy area for the investment management industry in the last few years. So you have seen the large private equity firms establish alternative credit providers really consolidating their positions in those marketplaces at the same time as just about every other investment management firm has decided that it wants to expand its presence in private assets. 
And so that has led to hiring squeezes across all areas, especially in the investment and front office, but also across risk and regulatory functions. And there are two things that are putting the squeeze on the risk and regulatory functions. One is that firms themselves want to take these matters seriously and ensure that they are getting the best out of their dedicated risk regulatory functions, focusing on private equity, private assets, as their activities in those areas increase. So they want to make sure that their own risks are appropriately managed. Then at the same time, of course, you have the regulator looking more closely at private asset valuations in order to make sure that markets remain stable and investors are protected. And so they are putting pressure on market participants in private assets to have the right people in those functions. So you are seeing higher levels of hiring in those marketplaces. And naturally, when you have higher levels of hiring interest, you generally tend to find that the hiring squeeze starts. Okay. And whenever financial services companies are looking to cut costs, the non-fee generating functions such as those in the back office always seem easy targets. But that can lead to useful but expensive expertise walking out of the door. Are you concerned at all that there's a risk of brain drain in certain firms? Yeah, absolutely. That is a danger for the industry as a whole. It's great that certain areas of the industry are are busily shoring up in risk and compliance and private assets is a good example of that. But what you might then see creeping in is a little bit of complacency in, in other areas. It's fair to say there's a bit of making do and mending going on in the financial services industry at the moment, especially in risk and regulatory functions, really because As I said, a lot of the heavy lifting in those departments has been done. And now you have organizations facing cost and strategic pressures from high interest rates, high levels of competition in the asset management industry in particular. So there's less investment into risk and regulatory functions at the moment and more focus on what the next big driver of growth is going to be. And when your attention as a business is very focused on what's happening with this shiny new toy that you've just acquired in your artificial intelligence team or something along those lines, you're distracted from what might be building up, which could be resourcing issues, perhaps a lack of leadership in risk and regulatory functions, disengagement of risk and regulatory staff, perhaps feeling slightly undervalued in those functions versus in the commercial functions that are getting more attention, that are having more resource invested in their success. And that can lead to flight risk from leadership level downwards. It can lead to people thinking this firm hasn't got the right attitude when it comes to risk and regulatory matters. It's not the right place for me. And so I need to consider my options. Are you saying that you believe that the industry's focus on grasping the opportunities presented at the moment within the AI space could leave the risk and compliance functions feeling comparatively on wanted and then increase this flight risk that you just talked about? I don't think it would be limited to AI. I think that you might just see the financial services industry on the whole being more focused on what the next big driver of growth is at the expense of maintaining as much of a focus as would be ideal on meeting risk and regulatory obligations and requirements and managing and stewarding those functions effectively over the next five years. And you might see risk and regulatory functions perhaps stagnate due to a lack of new investment and perhaps a lack of talent development. That's where you might get complacency creeping in 
and that's where you might end up with resourcing issues. And it's interesting focusing on the GRC functions for as long as we have, but at the same time, always peripherally aware of what's going on in the front office. You do become aware of the disparity between GRC compensation, even at the very senior leadership levels, and their equivalents in business leadership functions. The argument is that revenue generators get paid for the revenues that they bring in, but that can equate to multiples of the total comp numbers that GRC leaders are paid. That's an issue that the industry needs to be aware of and not complacent about is the disparities. The bonus cap rules were aimed at addressing those disparities where for all executives, bonuses were limited to 200% of basic salary. But those rules are in the process of being withdrawn in the UK. So we are going to get back to a place where there's going to be greater disparity between GRC compensation and revenue generating compensation. That's an issue. Are you concerned about how to manage and capture off-channel communications in a rapidly shifting regulatory environment? Global Relay provides fully compliant electronic communications archiving and messaging solutions for the global financial sector to help you keep up with the expanding web of data types in this hyper-connected world. We've built a rock-solid foundation for compliant business communication, from a mobile app through to intelligent archiving, superior data connectors and proactive surveillance to track it all. Founded in 1999, Global Relay delivers services to over 20,000 customers in 90 countries, including 22 of the top 25 banks. Global Relay's integrated compliance solutions enable regulated organisations to meet collaboration, privacy and security requirements. For more on how you can achieve e-communications compliance without compromise, visit www.globalrelay.com. It's really interesting what you say about the removal of the bonus cap. So this was introduced off the back of the financial crisis and it was intended to reduce the total compensation packages within the financial services sector. The way the industry responded to the bonus cap's introduction was to simply increase an individual's fixed salary so that they were still earning a comparable amount, but their fixed salary went up and their variable salary came down in line with the rules. The UK has decided to remove that and what that is predicted to do is to shift to fix salary down and the bonus up. It will be a fairly tricky negotiation with leaders in financial services around reducing their basic salaries when after a few years of having bonus caps in place, they've become used to taking home a certain level of income on a monthly basis. And people at that level of income tend to leverage themselves up with mortgages and with other expenses. And so if suddenly your employer is talking to you about giving you a pay cut, your organisation might be, well, you can make it back on the bonus. Your argument back to them might be, well, financial performance is so difficult to predict at this stage. So there could be some quite tricky discussions on these matters. Yeah, yes, removal has not been popular for that reason. But it's interesting that you say that the removal of the bonus cap could increase that disparity between your earning potential in the back office versus front office and thereby worsen this feeling of senior individuals in the back office being ignored and increase that flight risk. If you had to suggest a solution to that, what might that look like? Well, one is make sure that the compensation is as right as it can be. Don't be complacent. On the engagement side of things, organisations can potentially do more to ensure that their governance, regulatory and controls functions feel engaged with risk and regulatory functions. Potentially work with the revenue generating functions to make sure that risk and compliance aren't being sidelined or frozen out of discussions. Those will have a positive effect on engagement and reduce flight risk. But then again, people have financial needs, they have financial expectations. Compensation will remain a tricky aspect to the conversation.
Yes. So your message to the financial services sector is that it's a tough market. There isn't the intense regulatory or governmental pressure to be recruiting within risk and compliance functions at the moment, but don't take your foot off the pedal in terms of ensuring that that resource is as adequately skilled and is the right size to approach the risks that your firm might be navigating or might have to navigate in future. Exactly. Maintain the quality of leadership at the top and ensure that those leaders have have as much resource as possible to develop and maintain the engagement of key team members and ensuring that those teams and those individuals feel valued in the work that they're doing. When the emphasis is very much on how much revenue the commercial teams are bringing in versus how much value the risk and regulatory functions are protecting through the effectiveness of their activities, that's where you can see disengagement start to creep in. And it's not just down to the institutions to ensure that the risk and regulatory functions are kept motivated and engaged. It comes down to the quality of leadership that you have in those functions. When you're hiring a senior person, you're typically looking for somebody who can play a leadership level role. And their role is not only to manage the function that they're overseeing, but also to set the agenda, to articulate the vision to the people underneath them, and then also to ensure that the profile of that function is adequately represented at the leadership levels of the organisation. Keen to hear your views as to how a senior risk and compliance professional can best position themselves to succeed in the current changing landscape. But before we go there, AI has obviously come up, as you would expect, a number of times in this conversation. I've had a fair few conversations with bank senior risk and compliance professionals in recent months as to how some of the largest global banks are rethinking their various teams and jobs to help them capitalise on the opportunities presented by generative AI which is the artificial intelligence technology underpinning content generating tools like chat GPT. And from those conversations, it's apparent that a number of the largest banks are either adding or considering adding data scientists as well as data and AI ethicists to work alongside and with their compliance and risk functions to ensure that their organisations are using Gen AI as responsibly as possible. It's obviously still early days, though, and many institutions are just trying to map out how Gen AI could be utilised both in the back office and as responsibly as possible in the front office. But how are you seeing Gen AI changing the roles being recruited for within the compliance and risk functions? And how is it changing the skill sets required within those roles as well? Well, as you say, it's very early days with generative AI. This has certainly been getting a lot of attention in the last 12 months. But in terms of the impact that it's having on what's written on a job description at leadership level, at this stage, it's quite limited. There's a general consensus so far that artificial intelligence is a very specialist function at this point. There simply aren't enough AI experts to go around. We're likely to see an interest in hiring people in compliance and risk and and audit that have some literacy with these new areas of technology. Although, again, is it going to be even rarer than the specialists themselves? And rather than getting overexcited and insisting that everybody who joins an organization be an artificial intelligence expert, compliance and, and risk leaders from the top down really need to maintain a degree of literacy in these fields and awareness of the potential of the technology technology of what's out there and what's really viable and what's really valuable. The key will be making sure that what's out there is going to add value over time and that you're not 
getting overexcited about something perhaps that isn't going to have quite as much practical applicability and also managing the risks around artificial intelligence use in financial services and ensuring that firms are complying with emerging regulations around the use of AI. And that articulacy with generative AI is something for financial services professionals to work on for themselves because it won't be long before it really is everywhere. And the ability to use the technology for a variety of professional purposes will be expected. It could be as little as 12 months before we see financial institutions getting to the stage where they can't do without it. Okay, and we spoke about the risk of complacency around financial institutions risking compliance resourcing going forward and the need for institutions to address that, but also leadership within the risk and compliance function to do what they can to ensure that that complacency doesn't embed itself within the institution. And risk and compliance roles, as we've discussed, are likely to change significantly in the coming years as well, alongside many other back office roles, as financial services companies reshape those functions in light of the economic environment, but also look to automate more of these functions as well. What advice would you have for risk and compliance professionals looking to succeed in this environment? How would you suggest they seek to ensure that the function gets the attention it warrants? What skills should they be actually looking to acquire? It's certainly an interesting time to be a risk or regulatory leader, whether you are leading the second line of defence function as a chief compliance officer or a chief risk officer, or in the third line of defence as a chief audit officer, or you have your eye on one of those big roles, but you're not quite there yet. There's no doubt that there's a lot for you to be managing and the level of engagement from the business is probably fairly high right now in terms of their interest in what you're doing. At the same time, you're probably finding that your stakeholders are quite distracted. They're quite preoccupied with hitting their own targets, with thinking outside of the box in their own functions, probably being asked to do a bit more with a bit less. In most organisations, there's a bit more of a focus on cost cutting than there is on really heavily investing in the risk and regulatory functions. And the message is to keep going, keep trying to progress, keep developing yourself stay abreast of regulatory change, of technological change, of broader developments in the market, such as on the geopolitical front. And when it comes to really being an effective leader in the governance, regulatory and controls functions, we advise individuals to focus on four key areas. The first is the technical side. So to make sure that you know your discipline really, really well. The second is whether you're supporting an investment banking business or a retail asset manager or the weird and wonderful aspect of financial technology, make sure that you know that business inside out so that you can apply your technical skills to that business and therefore you can add real value to the other stakeholders in that business. Make sure that the risk and regulatory function is adequately represented on the commercial side of the operation. The third aspect for leaders is often people management. So the management of people is not an easy thing to do. People are unpredictable. People have different drivers and making sure people know what they're doing and why they're doing it is an important area for leaders to master. And the fourth and final aspect is being able to set the agenda, being able to articulate a vision for where a function or a discipline should be going, the ability to take the first three technical business and people management aspects 
compartmentalize those and then think more broadly and strategically about the future direction of yourself, your team, your business, the industry, and even more broadly than that, where does the industry fit into society? What impact actually are you having? Is your team having? Is your company having in relation to society as a whole? That really is how you might define leadership. And it's actually that which our clients are most frequently looking for when they look to work with us on strategic hiring mandates. Okay. And your advice for those looking to shift roles at the moment, would it be don't? It's certainly a less favourable time in the market cycle to be looking for a new opportunity. Naturally, if a charming and articulate headhunter phones you up with a very exciting career opportunity that you really shouldn't be turning your back on, then that could be something to explore. But go into these things with your eyes open appreciate the risks around new businesses, new teams, new opportunities, especially at this point in the market cycle when financial institutions, generally speaking, are under more commercial pressure than they have been. Executive search firms are usually dealing with candidates who are not looking for new roles, as the value that we can add is persuading somebody very good to consider moving for an excellent opportunity. That said, we speak to lots of different people at various stages of their careers, And we always recommend that candidates that are actively looking for a new role cover lots of different potential routes. And that can be monitoring the online resources, job boards like LinkedIn, just to see what is out there, to introduce themselves to recruitment firms, and then make sure that you know who the headhunters are in your space. Introduce yourself, create a positive impression. And if you cover enough ground, you should have enough of a view of the market to be aware of things as and when they come up. A lot of this conversation is focused on your work with the C-level and senior individuals reporting into C-level within the risk compliance and audit functions. Could you elaborate on what you're seeing in terms of board level hires? What particular skill sets are being requested there? And has the required skill set within those kind of functions markedly changed within the last 12 months or so? It's a level that's not brilliantly well understood in the industry. All financial institutions regulated in the UK have a board of directors. And in the case of major financial institutions, they'll have group boards of directors that are quite substantial. And boards are typically made up of the chief executive, chief financial officer. Then there will be a couple of non-executive directors, perhaps from elsewhere in the group, but not directly involved with that particular entity. And then there are the independent non-executive directors and INED appointed from outside the organisation. They typically serve between 30 and 50 days a year and they're paid a salary commensurate with their experience and the time commitment. You are typically holding a regulated function under the senior managers and certification regimes and this is taken incredibly seriously by modern INEDs. All of the scrutiny of boards by regulators and also commercial and cost pressures on financial institutions in the last few years have meant that INEDs are very, very carefully selected to join boards. So when a board is replacing one of its INEDs, they are typically looking for something very specialist because there are only so many seats on a board. Increasingly in recent years, technology expertise has been in high demand as financial institutions have sought to modernise their operations and upgrade their financial technology infrastructures. So boards are always looking for something quite specific, additive, And it needs to be somebody who's going to be comfortable taking on that regulatory accountability. And the ability to strike the balance between criticism and collaboration is really important. 
because if you have a board director who is too critical, they can stand in the way of the company's progress by holding up decision-making for token reasons. On the other hand, if you have an independent director who is too friendly, you could start to be criticised for your input not being independent enough of the executive decision-making process. And in the last few years, there has been a concerted effort to make diverse hires onto boards of directors, driven by a number of industry initiatives, such as women on boards, women in banking and finance, and in the savings and investment industry, the diversity project. The volume of board director hiring in 2023 was fairly steady. And we'd expect uh, board level hiring to remain fairly constant as financial services. Company boards are continuously being refreshed. So it really depends on what requirements arise and when. But we do know that the regulator is keeping a close eye on the independence of company boards across the financial services sector. And that tends to create a fairly consistent level of demand for independent directors. Okay, that's interesting. And you mentioned the senior managers and certification regime, and that is a set of rules that seek to make the senior level within regulated financial services firms more accountable for their behaviour. So we've discussed the challenges out there, but what opportunities are there? Well, there are definitely some positives to take away. Commercially, for businesses, having astute leaders in charge of these functions is a real benefit. The best people with the right resources can walk the tightrope between good governance and commercial advice and can therefore both protect their companies and help them to succeed. Equally, organisations who actively embrace their governance, regulatory and control staff can offer outstanding career opportunities for talented people who can go on to develop impactful and meaningful careers in these disciplines. Leaders in audit, risk and compliance who can combine the technical and commercial knowledge with the all-important soft skills and vision that leaders require that we discussed earlier are always in greater demand than supply. Therefore, they tend to be quite discerning about what roles to take and with which companies. They actively look for evidence of good corporate culture, which ultimately can be exemplified by a willingness to integrate compliance, risk and the audit functions into the fabric of a business. So companies that can speak to this discerning population attract and retain them stand to benefit from a skill set that's always in high demand. Finally, having a positive long-term view when it comes to effective risk and regulation across the financial services industry should be an opportunity in itself. Investing in future talent, workforce engagement and succession planning and just avoiding being too short-term in outlook when it comes to the short-term revenue environment should lead to better governed businesses making a net positive contribution to society which is beneficial for all of us. Okay. Lastly, what's one upcoming or current challenge that you believe not enough people are talking about that you think the industry needs to pay more attention to? The financial services industry needs to avoid taking its eye off the ball on the governance and regulation fronts in general, whilst they're distracted by all sorts of other things, such as the need to grow and the need to seize opportunities. It's it's easy to think that your risks in your core markets or your core product areas generally are are managed and these functions are taken care of themselves. But that can start to mean corners will be cut. And over time, you could see your GRC functions start to feel a bit sidelined, a bit disenchanted and a bit disengaged. And it's important to be realistic about how hard these jobs are, how hard it is to work in financial services at the moment. It's interesting work, but it's quite demanding. And there is a disparity between the risk and regulatory functions and the revenue generating functions. You're always slightly playing catch up and that's how you get blow ups and failures. But at least the industry is constantly evolving. And if you get the balance right between risk and regulation and innovation and growth, 
you do enough to keep the train on the tracks and we all keep moving forward. Okay. And if the industry does not pay attention to that, what's the worst case scenario? It just might lead to a gradual buildup of risk in the system. In the worst case scenario, you would have issues building up in high risk product areas that could lead to another financial crisis without sufficient controls and risk management processes in place to manage the worst consequences. And it's easy to forget how damaging the global financial crisis was. The fact that now you have a real deficiency of trust in the financial sector and that's extended into a deficiency of trust in the political system as well because the industry is so important to the functioning of a healthy society when you have big risk management issues they have real world consequences over time that aren't entirely obvious at the time but really are quite damaging over the course of years which is why the resilience and trustworthiness of the financial services industry is so important. Okay, so it's certainly no time for the industry to rest on its laurels. We've covered a lot of ground. Alex, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, Lucy. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.